Men, very much. That was greatly appreciated. Good to see everybody this morning. A lot of our folks away, but uh, that's okay. We're here, and uh, we can rejoice together in the Lord. Turn to Colossians 3. Thank you, Michael, for reading there for us. I think this morning might be more of a uh, Bible study than a, than a uh, preaching session. I don't know. I've never preached this subject before. And uh, I'm going to speak on the subject of anger. Anger. In verse 8, it says there, But now put off all these. Anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy communication out of your mouth. Scares me to think about it. But uh, I'm going to pray. As uh, those of you that don't know me and, and uh, I wear this tie in remembrance of uh, Trish Lloyd, or Trish gave it to me, she brought it for me nearly five years ago, just before she was diagnosed with cancer. And I pray for her every morning or every time that I preach here and, and wear it in honour of her. And I'd like to pray for her this morning again. And for those that are sick, think of Heather this morning, not able to be with Lou and others also, and uh, so let's pray together. Pray for somebody that you know that is sick, you know, and uh, just lift them up in our hearts, all right? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, this morning we come to you and uh, we just want to thank you that we're in the house of the Lord together. We think of our pastor this morning and just commit him to you and Cassie and the children. Lord, pray that you'd give them a good rest strengthen them for the ministry ahead. Father, we think of Trish this morning and she's not with us and Lord, you know her, you know her frame. Father, we thank you for her testimony in this place and we thank you for sustaining her over the last few years and giving her to us and Lord, we pray this morning for an extra special portion of your grace for her. And we just commit her to you and ask day by day that you would just bless her mightily. And Lord, we bless you for the way that you've blessed us through her. Father, we also think of Heather this morning and just commit her to you, not able to be with us. Father, strengthen her. Lord, others that are sick in our midst and others that I don't know of. But Lord, we pray for a special portion of grace for them this morning and your sustaining hand. Father, help us to glorify you even in our sicknesses. Father, we realise that when we are weak, we can be strong through our Lord Jesus Christ. We can walk in a way which pleases you, honours you, Lord, help us this morning as we look at this subject of anger. It's a subject I don't really want to think about, let alone talk about. But Lord, it's here in the scriptures very clear. You tell us to put it off if we know the Lord Jesus is our saviour. So help us with, us with it, we pray this morning, in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay. I learnt this passage or memorised these verses about uh, 
I don't know, it'd be 20 odd years ago now, probably more. Uh, Glenn Weeks came and preached in, um, in uh, Bendigo when we were just newly married, Rhonda and I. So it's actually got to be 30 odd years ago, doesn't it? Over 30 years ago. And we memorised this passage and uh, I often find myself now, you know, I get in a situation or just during the day and, and just going over this passage and it helps me greatly. But one part that I've uh, struggled with and maybe you have too is the subject of anger. And, uh, you know, you, you realise as a Christian, as a newborn Christian, that there are certain things that now that I'm saved, I ought not do. And uh, some things are very obvious, you know, like in verse 5 where it says, mortify therefore, and mortify means to put to death. And it says there in, in verse 3 that we are dead and our life is hid with Christ in God. And you think, well, I'm... I'm very much alive and I still do things that I ought not do, you know, because we have now two natures. We know we ought not do some things, but we still do them. And it's vexing, isn't it? And you think, how can I put them off or mortify them? As it says there in verse 5, mortify therefore your members which are upon the earth. And you think, well, this is an easy list to say, well, yes, I shouldn't do them and, and I've put them to death. They're not a problem in my life. But you know, you know very well that there's times when they really are a problem. Fornication still happens in Christian circles. We still have the problem with that flesh, don't we? And we still, it still rises up within us and that desire, you know, that ought not be there. Whether it's before we're married as a young man, a young woman, or whether it's after we're married even. It's still there and it rises up and, and the opportunity sort of comes and goes our way and we think, I could seize that. I ought not. I ought to walk away. Uncleanness. Any sort of uncleanness in our life. Inordinate affection. Think, what does that mean? Well, it just simply means improper affection. Things that are not right, you know. You should not have affection for another man's wife or another woman's husband or a man for a man in the wrong way. I mean, brotherly affection is one thing, but... Inordinate affection is another. You, improper affection, a man to a man. Improper affection, a woman to a woman. Sisterly love is one thing, but improper affection is another. Well, I know I ought not have them in my life, Brother Robin, and they're not there. Well, bless the Lord, they're not there, but they could rise up. And you need to put them to death daily sometimes. And then even covetousness. Whoa, how could you put that there? You know, I've just got a little bit of gold or a little bit of this or a little bit of that. Actually, he says it's idolatry. Covetousness is idolatry. That's really strong, isn't it? Well, the scriptures tell us very clearly that we're to mortify those things in our life. They ought not be a part of our lives now as a Christian. 
And then in verse 6 it says, For which thing's sake, the wrath. And I want to point out to that, that word wrath comes up again in verse 8, where we're going to get to in a minute. And wrath and anger seem very interchangeable in the Scriptures. In fact, the word wrath there in verse 6 is the same word that's translated anger in verse 8. And then it's a different word that's translated wrath in verse 8. But they're very interchangeable, it seems to me. I'm not a Greek scholar. I'd failed that when I went to Bible college. I was awful. But um, I can just sort of look up and see, well, yeah, that's a different word. But if you come to ask me sort of great questions about it, I wouldn't have a clue. All right, let's get to the subject of anger this morning. I wonder this morning, you know, do you think I could make you angry? I probably could, couldn't I? Especially if you're a New South Welshman. (laughs) I could get you really fired up if we talked about Wednesday night. I didn't even watch the game. I just went to sleep and then I woke up and I had a look. I can't believe it. Queensland won. We were done for. We'd lost. Somehow New South Wales managed to create their own blues, didn't they? (laughs) You've heard more jokes about that through this week than ever another week, haven't you, Paul? (laughs) I could get Paul riled up this morning, couldn't I? I'm getting very angry. I'm sorry, Paul, picking on you, but you can take it, can't you? You're a good man. Or we could talk about other things. I could pick on your family, perhaps, and you could get really angry at me. I could needle you. You know, you get that saying often, well, he just knows the right buttons to press to get her angry, or vice versa. She knows just the right buttons to press to get his wrath up. And we all do, don't we? You know, we're all able at some stage or another, you know, within our homes to rile each other up. It's a fact of life. It's a fact of just walking in this earth. You probably got angry this morning when you saw that Robin Davis was going to preach. (laughs) He's going to preach about sheep again, I know, you know. I can't stand it when he preaches about sheep. Well, that presses your button. (laughs) We can all stir each other up and make each other angry, you know. You know, there's more anger management money being spent in this world today because companies know that they need to keep their employees not angry. (laughs) Anger management is a huge industry today. We're living in a day where increasingly, and you know, anger itself is not necessarily bad. How can that be? Well, it says in Ephesians 4, be ye angry and sin not. So in other words, anger can lead to sin, but anger in itself is not necessarily sin. Oh, that's a... That's a line, you know, you might tumble about that and think about that for a long time. But um, Jesus was angry and he never sinned. 
He got angry and he drove out the money changers out of the temple. He used a whip of cords and he drove them out. Jesus got angry, but you say, well, I can have righteous indignation then. Well, yes, but be really careful. You're not Jesus. You're not Jesus. I think anger is uh, not always sin, but it can certainly lead to sin quickly. I'll just read you the the, uh, meaning of the word anger here in, in our chapter. But now ye also put off all these, anger. The word anger there is uh, orge in Greek. Now, as I said, I'm not a Greek scholar. But the, uh, the, the uh, definition says desire, desire, as a reaching forth or excitement of the mind. And, I mean, we get excited, don't we, about things, and we need to. You know, you get excited to achieve some things at times. And, and so a little bit of excitement may lead to... Anger may lead to wrath, may lead to lead on. But excitement in the beginning is not necessarily wrong. But then it can lead to, as it says here in the definition, violent passion, ire or justifiable abhorrence. By implication, punishment. You know, the wrath of God, the anger of God. There needs to be a punishment, doesn't there, for sin. And God is going to... He's going to deal with sin and he has done, fortunately for you and me, by punishing his son, the Lord Jesus, instead of us. Otherwise, we could never bear his anger, his wrath. So where was I? The definition of anger, anger, indignation, vengeance, wrath, wrath. The definition of wrath here in our verse is, uh, and the word is thumos, And again, it says passion, as if breathing hard. So you sort of, the anger rises, you know, breathing hard. Fierceness, indignation, wrath. There's the definitions. Now let's look at our verse just for a minute. But now he also put off all these. Anger. Wrath, so it seems, seems a building, doesn't it? And then malice, malice, maliciousness, anger rises in us, wrath begins to build, may turn to maliciousness, malicious intent towards somebody. I get angry towards them and then I become malicious in wanting to get back, you know, vengeance. Maliciousness, blasphemy, blasphemy. How could this be that a Christian could be blasphemous? Well, I tell you what, you get angry enough, you'll start to blaspheme. You say, I wouldn't do that. Well, I tell you what, you surely well can. And you and I may have done it to each other. You start to blaspheme and you think, where did that come from? You know, you realise that blasphemy or blasphemous words, really swear words, they're all pick up some aspect of God. You know, the names of God, the names of Jesus can be all used as a swear word and they often are. And you and I will find if we, as a Christian, become riled up enough, we'll start to use the names of God and blaspheme ourselves. 
And if it's not outrightly the names of God, well, it's the parts of the human body in a derogatory way. So it's something which is supposed to be holy, has been perverted and twisted to become a swear word. Blasphemy. I never do that, Brother Robin. Well, bless God you don't blaspheme. But I tell you what, it's still in your old nature. And if you get riled up enough, you can start to do it. When, I was, when we were on the station for uh, those eight years and I was working with sheep, there was occasions, and I hesitate to say this, but there was occasions when I was on my own. I can usually manage to curb my tongue when I'm with a group of people. But you get on your own with a bunch of sheep and working them. I tell you what, there's been some occasions where I've said some awful things. I think, where? Why? How could I do that? Well, it's in here. It's just in there. God says, put it to death. Well, I'll tell you what, there were some days where it was pretty hard to put it to death. And it just comes out. It just comes out. Blasphemy. Filthy communication out of your mouth. The passage is talking to you and me. This is not talking to, to lost people. This is talking to those who are saved. This is talking to those who are risen with Christ, it says in verse 1. If ye then be risen with Christ, that means saved, born again, know you're saved, know you're on your way to heaven. You and I are very capable of blasphemy, very capable of filthy communication out of our mouths. And we need to put it to death. We need to lie not one to another. You start being angry towards somebody and sure enough lies will start pouring out of our mouth too in anger, won't they? You'll say things you never thought possible to say to another person, being or sheep as in my case. All right, let's do a, a bit of a study. Uh, let's do a bit of a, uh, of a uh, Bible study. Come with me to Romans chapter 6. Romans chapter 6. We're going to flip to a few passages now. And I'm not sure how in depth we're going to get, but I just want to lay a few things before you. And uh, I'm not sure that I'll be as short as Brother Justin the other night. Wasn't he a blessing on Wednesday night? I really appreciated uh, his message for us on the storms of life and, and his study into that subject was really good. I'm going to read chapter 6 down to about verse 12 and uh, we're just going to look at a few passages then on, on anger and, and then we'll sum it up. Romans chapter 6 verses 1 to 12, what shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? It's very possible for us to be in sin, isn't it? As we've already talked about as a Christian. Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? The scriptures tell us that we are dead to sin. And yet we struggle with that. I'm very alive to sin. 
But in Christ, we are positionally dead to sin. God forbid, how shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? Know ye not that so many of us as were baptised into Jesus Christ were baptised into his death? Therefore we are buried with him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. That's what we say every time we have someone baptised, don't we? Raised to walk in newness of life, and we are. All things are uh, become new, it says in Corinthians. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Positionally, we are raised in Christ to walk now in newness of life. Verse 5, For if we have been planted together in the likeness of his death, we shall be also in the likeness of his resurrection. Knowing this, that our old, old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. For he that is dead is freed from sin. Now if we be dead with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him, knowing that Christ, being raised from the dead, dieth no more, death hath no more dominion over him. For in that he died, he died unto sin once, but in that he liveth, he liveth unto God. Likewise, reckon ye also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body, that ye should obey it in the lust thereof. It's a great passage. If you can memorise any verse out of this passage, be it... Verse 11, likewise, reckon ye also yourselves to be dead indeed under sin. The word reckon there is a banking term, evidently, you know, like bank on it. Likewise, bank on it, ye also yourselves, that you're dead indeed under sin. Dead indeed under sin. You, we don't have to sin. We don't have to stay in that path. Oh, yes, it's still in our and mortal uh, frame, and, and it's still possible for us to sin, but we don't have to. We should not stay in that path. When we recognise it, deal with it. When we recognise the issue we have, deal with it. Get it right. Seek God's help. Pray. It's possible to change your direction. It's possible to change your character. You say, no, I can't change my character. Yes, you can. Not in your own strength, but by God, with God's help. But you, I, have to instigate it first. We can't expect God to just do everything. Now you say, Brother Robin, you're getting into dangerous territory. No, I'm not. The scriptures tell us over and over and again that we have to exercise our will. We have a will and we have to control our will. We have to tell ourselves what we're going to do. We have to tell our body what it's going to do and not go in the way that it wants to go in the flesh. The flesh wants to lead us into sin. The flesh wants me to, to blaspheme. The flesh wants me to be angry and wrathful and vengeance and malicious. But the spirit doesn't. 
God doesn't want me to go in that path in the Spirit. Let's look at some other passages, shall we? Uh, I've sort of set a path here, and I'm not sure whether it's a good path, but let's go in it. Hebrews chapter uh, 12 to start with. Hebrews chapter 12 is the passage on uh, uh, after the hall of faith, after the, the, uh, the chapter of faith. And, and uh, then Hebrews 12 starts off by saying, Wherefore, seeing we are also compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. You know, all of us have some sort of sin which besets us and what besets you, your besetting sin will not be the same as what besets me, possibly. You know, we, anger might be my besetting sin or it might be yours. Uh, my besetting sin might be something else. You know, and I'm not going to tell you what my besetting sin is, all right? We're dealing with anger today. Anger has been an issue with me at times. Sometimes it really rises its ugly head. Talk to my wife, ask my wife about it, she knows. You know, anger in the home leads to all sorts of awful consequences, doesn't it? Violence, you know, family violence comes out of anger and a lot of homes, it's not nice in. and I'm not wanting to sort of try and raise any issues with anybody, but it's just a fact. And but your besetting sin will not necessarily be mine, but the Scriptures tells us here, says, let us. So there's a, a, a the will has to enter in here to, when, we, when it says, let us, let us lay aside every weight. Because there's this great cloud of witnesses around us, those that have gone before us, those that have died in the faith and they've left us, they're in heaven. But it seems to indicate that I don't know whether they can literally see us or not. I seem to have that feeling that they do and that's just my feeling. I've got nothing really to go on. But it seems to me that they, they know what's going on here on earth. You know, They're in heaven but they know what's going on. I don't know. You know what, the, the cloud of witnesses, the witnesses that were at the state of origin the other night, I mean, they were there, weren't they? They watched, and you and I watched on TV, or we didn't watch because we got angry and walked out, you know. <laughs> um, but uh, it, it says, you know, I, I'm in the race. I'm in the race. And it says, let me lay aside the weights. And weights, I mean, are, ne- are not necessarily bad things. Weights are just like clothes. You're in a race. You've got to lay off some clothes and lay off some heavy stuff and you don't run a race with your overcoat on and you don't run a race with, uh, with uh, rubber boots on unless you're Cliff Young years ago. Well, he used to, run, he used to train in, in rubber boots and, and then when he put on his light things, like he just flew, <laughs> put on his light runners. But he laid aside the weights and, and then it says, so something, sometimes it's, there's good things that have to be laid aside in our lives as Christians uh, to, to, to run the race. And, and then there's sins, sins which easily beset us, need to be laid aside, and anger could be one of those. 
got to be laid aside and put to death and run with patience the race that is set before us. So it's possible for us to change our course, right? Because the scriptures tell us, it says, let us, you do it. You will to put it off, to put it to death. You will to lay it off and to keep running the race that is set before us. It's something you and I must do. James 1.19, and I'll just read it out for you. Wherefore, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. I have to choose to not engage my anger quickly. For the wrath of man, verse 20, James 1.20, for the wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. Galatians 5. Actually, this is, this is, well, I'll just read it again. No, I won't. Let's read it. Let's go to it together. Galatians 5, 13 to 16. Galatians 5, 13 to 16. For brethren, ye have been called unto liberty, only use not liberty for an occasion to the flesh, but by love serve one another. For all the law is fulfilled in one word, even in this, thou shalt love thy neighbour as thyself. But if ye bite and devour one another, take heed that ye be not consumed one of another. How do we bite and devour one another? Well, anger probably be in there, wouldn't it? Anger, wrath, maliciousness, malicious intent. We bite and devour one another. Harsh words lead to anger, lead to wrath, lead to maliciousness. But if ye bite and devour one another, he's talking to Christians here. We have to recognise, brethren, that the church of God is made up of people and you and I are still sinners, saved by grace but still sinners, still able to sin, still able to turn on each other and bite and devour one another. Take heed that you be not consumed one of another. This I say then, verse 16, walk in the spirit and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. So there it is. I must walk in the spirit. See this choice here to make again. I must choose. I can choose to walk in the spirit or I can choose to walk in the flesh. Well, what happens when I just slip into the flesh? Well, just... Slip out again. (laughs) Get on our knees and ask the Lord for forgiveness and slip out of it and get back in the spirit. That's what it means. All right, let's look at some more verses. The book of Proverbs, and I'll just read a few of these quickly, uh, but the book of Proverbs is a great uh, chapter and has much on the subject of wrath and anger and From about chapter 14 onwards, you'll see quite a few verses on on anger and uh, 
Proverbs 15.1, a soft answer turneth away wrath, but grievous words stir up anger. It's possible, isn't it, for you and I to have grievous words one with another and stir up anger in our midst. A wrathful man stirreth up strife, verse 18 of chapter 15, but he that is slow to anger appeaseth strife. Chapter 16 and verse 32, he that is slow to anger is better than the mighty and he that ruleth his spirit than he that taketh a city. Chapter 22 and verse 8, he that soweth iniquity shall reap vanity. The rod of his anger shall fail. The rod of his anger shall fail. Chapter 27 and verse 4, wrath is cruel. And anger is outrageous. Just a few more verses. Chapter 14, I'm sort of just going back to the word angry now, but chapter 14 and verse 17, he that is soon angry dealeth foolishly. I'm just reading, this is what the scripture just says about anger. And we know it's true, don't we? If we fly off the handle quickly... Will deal foolishly. I mean, it leads into sin very quickly, doesn't it? He that is soon angry dealeth foolishly. Chapter 22, 20, verse 24 Make no friendship with an angry man, and with a furious man thou shalt not go. There's another word sort of thrown in. We've had anger, wrath, and now it's even built to furious. Furious. Thou shalt not go. In other words, it's possible to just develop a real furious attitude, isn't it? A wrathful, angry countenance, just, he's just always angry. We say that at times, don't we, about people? He's just always angry. I think of Paul, the apostle, you know, before he became Paul, he was Saul. He was an angry man. In fact, he says in, in chapter uh, 26 of Acts, when he's talking to Agrippa, he said, I was exceedingly mad. He testified of himself, I was exceedingly mad. Made havoc of the church, it said in Acts chapter 9, I think. Made havoc of the church and uh, he went everywhere consigning men and women to prison. He killed Christians. It was, it was a consuming anger in Paul's life. And uh, he dealt foolishly in it. I mean, he thought he was dealing wisely. He was, thought he was doing God's business at the time. He was a furious man. Chapter 29 and verse 22 of Proverbs, an angry man stirreth up strife, and a furious man aboundeth in transgression. That was chapter 29, verse 22. Here's one that will really stir you up. Chapter 21 and verse 19, especially if you're a woman. It is better to dwell in the wilderness than with a contentious and angry woman. And ladies, you could easily turn that around. Well, it's better for me to dwell in the wilderness than with a contentious and an angry man. Well, that's just as applicable too. And there's been times where you and I have thought, I'd be better off to go somewhere else, dwell somewhere else. 
Yeah. But folks, we don't have to stay that way. We can change it. I'm going to finish off with, a, uh, with an illustration I was reading. Um, actually, before we do, let's turn to, to uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 7. Our last reference. 2 Corinthians chapter 7 and verse 1. 2 Corinthians chapter 7 and verse 1. We were reading this the other night at our um, devotions at home, Rhonda and I, and this just leapt out at me as we were reading in 2 Corinthians 7, 1. Having therefore these promises, dearly beloved. So he's speaking to Christians, Christians at Corinth. Corinthian church had its issues. Having therefore these promises, dearly beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. Let us. He says, you've got to do something about it. Let us cleanse ourselves. You say, I can't cleanse myself. I've got no hope of cleansing myself. Sin is, only Jesus can deal with my sin. Well, that's right. Only Jesus can deal with your sin. It's only the blood of the Lord Jesus that can cleanse us from our sin. But I have to will him to do it. I have to ask him to do it. He will not just wipe your sin away without you first confess it. And then he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sin. And to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. But he says, you step out first. You step out first. God doesn't make us a robot when we get saved. He doesn't automatically just fix everything up for us as we walk through this Christian life. But brethren, day by day, by his grace, we can change. And we can put to death these things of the flesh. i just finish off with an illustration. I was reading this book um, about a preacher back at the turn of the, uh, of the 19th century and he was a Methodist preacher and uh, the, in the Methodist church in those days their preachers were often shifted around quite a lot. You know, every four years they would have a new place to go to and and this man was transferred to a, uh, to a new pastorate and, and when he got there, the, the, the current preacher, as he was leaving, he, he said to this guy, he said, I want to warn you about a certain man in the church. His name is Greg Stone. Now, if there's any Greg Stones here or Greg Stones listening, it's not you because he was 100 years ago and he's dead now. But anyway, this, uh, this Greg Stone was one of the key men of this particular church that the pastor, the new pastor was coming to and, and the old pastor wanted to warn him. He said, I want to warn you about Greg Stone. He's one of the key men of the church, but he's destroying the church. He's a big man. The new pastor sort of thought, well, I want to make my own judgment, thank you very much. But uh, he listened to the old pastor that was leaving and, Okay, 
And he watched this fella, Greg Stone, his big man, huge man, big black head of hair, wealthy man, the wealthiest man in the church. He said, all right, I'll watch. As he watched for a little while, he sort of realised, okay, yeah, he's got issues, like us all. But anyway, he thought one day he would take the bull by the horn and just preach on the subject. And he preached out of Romans 6, reckon yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin. And he spoke about besetting sins and and, uh, out of uh, Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 1 there, lay aside all the sin which doth so easily beset us. He said you don't have to stay the way you are if it's wrong. And, uh, and he, he, uh, he used an illustration from Sam Jones, who was a famous evangelist of the time, and, and uh, Sam was speaking about besetting sins one day, and he used this illustration. He said, he said I've got a, I've, uh, I, I go mink hunting, and I apologise to any of you that don't like hunting, but it's a part of our church here. We have Dave, so <laughs> we go hunting in this church. Anyway, Sam Jones would go hunting for mink and he'd set traps for mink and, and uh, he said, if my hound dog gets caught in a mink trap once, he said, I'll forgive him. I'll let him out of the trap. They don't do it again. But if he comes back and he sets his foot in the same trap tomorrow... And the next day, and the next day, well, he's no good to me for anything. I'll just take him out the back and shoot him. He said, some of us put our foot in the trap day after day after day in the same sin. And we blithely say, well, that's just my besetting sin. Sam Jones, I tell you, you're not worth the powder and shot to blow you up. (laughs) Well, the preacher got finished and he noticed out of the corner of his eye that this fella Greg Stone got red, real red. Like you could see the heat rising. I know I knew I'd hit a raw spot. Got done preaching and afterwards Greg Stone came straight up to me. I thought, here we go. He said, preacher, can I walk with you tonight? Yeah? I'm in trouble now. Got outside the church and walking on towards home and he said, preacher... He said, I'm 40 years of age. I'm considered a success in this town. And he was the the richest man in the church. But he said, I'm not. He said, I'm that dog you were talking about. I have a raw anger that frightens me sometimes. He said, everybody knows that I drove the last preacher out of town. He said, preacher, I want you to tell me straight. Is there any hope for me? 
can Jesus Christ help me with my anger? And the preacher said, yes, he can. He said, but you've got a will that it happened. Greg Stone grabbed the preacher's hand and he said, by God's grace, Greg Stone dies tonight. And he marched off. The preacher let him go. He thought he's got to deal with this himself. Monday, he stays by the phone. He thinks Greg Stone will ring him. He needs some help. No phone call. Tuesday, no phone call. He went to visit him at his workplace. Greg's not there. Wednesday comes, still hadn't heard from Greg. He thought after prayer meeting tonight, I'm going to go and visit him. Prayer meeting that night, Wednesday night, Greg Stone walks in and he walks the aisle and he had his head held high and a smile on his face and the preacher thought, praise God, something's happened. He's wrestled with his angel and he's won. The preacher preached that night at the end of the service, testimony time, Greg Stone comes striding up the aisle and he strides up and he says to the folks, he says, folks, he said, I've wrestled with God for three days and three nights and the Lord has forgiven me of my anger. He said, you know and I know that I drove the last preacher out of town and I want to ask you to forgive me tonight. And then he turned around and he looked up at the preacher and he said, thank you. Your gentleness has made me great. And years went by and the preacher heard, you know, Greg Stone shifted from that town and went to another town further away and he wondered how he got on. And a visiting preacher came from that town to, to him and uh, he said to him, how's Greg Stone doing? Because he'd heard that there was some issues in that church and they were having trouble. He said, how's Greg Stone going? Oh, Greg Stone, he's doing fine. He said, everybody in that church has got angry with one another except Greg Stone. Brethren, I leave that with you tonight, this morning. Probably the message is as much for me as anybody, perhaps more for me this morning than anybody, but I think we just, you know, you and I just need to let God deal with our hearts as, uh, as he wants I just pause for a word of prayer and if you want to come up and use the altar, just come while I pray and, and then I'll call Paul up to lead us with a, uh, with a song. But if you've, the Lord has spoken to your heart and just helped you in this matter at all, then just come and, and pray. Lord, we just want to thank you for your goodness to us. We just want to thank you that you are merciful to us sinners. You died on the cross to shed your blood to die in our place. And 
Father, we're still walking this earth and we have issues every day. We have issues at work. We have issues at home. We have issues in, it, in the church with one another at times. And Lord, we pray for your help. Help us, Lord, to die to self and to live unto righteousness. So help us as a people, we pray. And we'll thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen.